In this highly anticipated episode, we focus on the warrior mindset and the skills that are required to win a hyper-violent confrontation, a terrorist attack, or a mass shooting. I reveal my go-to daily carry gear, which is best suited for the active warrior. Listen, gentlemen, it doesn't matter whether you're going to go to a business meeting, a church, a movie, or a walk in the park with a family. Warriors are always battle-ready. The warrior lifestyle is not for everyone, but it is for those who prioritize the protection of their families and who live confident and courageous lives. Implement what you learn in this episode to all aspects of your life and make the protection of your families a priority immediately. Stand by. Welcome to the Man of War podcast, where we forge men into warriors and get them battle ready for the game of life. Learn warrior hacks that strengthen your mindset, self-confidence, courage, and personal protection skills. Unlock a life that embodies a warrior spirit for dynamic success in life and in business. If you're joining us for the first time, you're tuning in to the one and only podcast that empowers you to achieve greatness by living the warrior lifestyle. Each show, we interview elite men from around the globe and delve deep into their mindset and daily rituals, uncovering their secrets to success. I'm Rafa Conde, founder and creator of the Man of War movement. Join me on this life-altering journey where we recharge your mind, body, and spirit. Rise the night, my brothers. Welcome back to the Man of War podcast. My name is Rafa Conde, and I'm your host. Today, we have a call to action special episode. Over the last few months, I've received a ton of emails regarding self-protection and everyday carrier for the warrior-minded men. This is going to be a fun show, that's for sure. I'm going to cover a good portion of material, so put on your listening cap and take some notes. Before we get started, it is a season to be thankful, and I am for each and every one of you who supported this podcast from the get-go. Our crazy growth has been because of you, gentlemen, men like yourself that have stepped up to lead from the front, to be better husbands, fathers, friends, businessmen, but above all, to be warriors to live courageous lives as protectors and providers. I want you to continue sharing this podcast with men that you know would get something truly out of it. If you've not done so already, please leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe so you can get the podcast delivered to your email every single week. One last thing, this holiday season, I'm letting you join the Warrior Development Academy for free, for free. Yes, you heard it right, for free. Two weeks, full access, no strings attached. That's how confident I am that you're going to get a ton out of this membership site. Go join hundreds of warrior-minded men that are strengthening their confidence, their courage, and their mindset in all aspects of their lives using what we call the pyramid of mind shift, field dominion, and warrior craft. Go join for free at forgingawarrior.com. That's forgingawarrior.com. Now, let's get right into this show. So you hear me talk about being battle ready all the time. What does this mean? Well, being battle ready in all aspects of our lives is what truly differentiates an average Joe Blow from a warrior. Being battle ready is a reference to being sharp, on point, and highly prepared to deal with critical incidents that occur in our lives. This includes business, relationship, and what we refer to as real world outside your control, like destinations, locations, and the streets. 
For this show, we're going to focus on the latter. We're going to talk about the real-world dynamics of what happens out there. Let me start off by saying no matter what you do in life, whether you're a businessman, whether you're an, you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a mechanic, whether you're a pilot, whatever it is you do, you need to be prepared all the time. I'll tell you what, the reality of the world is that shit can strike at any given moment. I tell you this from A, experience, and B, just look around you, look at the news, look at our world. We're having shootings in churches, in malls, in movie theaters, in schools. I mean, you name it, and it's happening out there. And we're not even really talking about carjackings, robberies, bank robberies, assaults, rapes, and so on. We live in a time where warriors must be armed and have their skills honed for battle. That's the bottom line, gentlemen. There are no two ways about it. There are some bullshit statistics out there, and I tell you, from inside working and being out there on the street, fuck those statistics. Shit is happening around us, and you and your family come first. That's the bottom line. You need to protect yourself and your families. That has to be a priority, period. Let's talk about threat levels. All right, I usually use four different levels, okay? I approach threats in four different levels. That's what I teach, and I believe it's a little bit simpler than your basic um, protocol that you have out there, all right, that it's being taught by different instructors and different methods. I don't use white at all. I don't use a white level because warriors should never be so lax in their threat awareness that they should be completely down to a white level. We start off by a yellow level, level one, which basically means low awareness. For example, you're in a pool, you're at home, you're relaxing with the kids. We're at a yellow level, level one. Now next, level two is our blue level. This is our day-to-day -day operational level, our awareness level, going from work, picking up the kids from school, shopping, working, going for groceries, going out to dinner, whatever it is, that's typically where warriors operate, right in between that blue and then the next level, which would be a red level. Now, when we talk about the red level, it's basically going outside your normal scope. For example, out of the country, maybe going to a concert, um, I hate to say this, but a church, um, a sports game, for example, a, a stadium, uh, you're traveling maybe to even a different state or a different location that maybe you don't know much about. This is where we need to be in a red level state. All right, and of course we have level four, which is condition black. Condition black is basically you're going into a known high threat area where shit is hitting the fan as we speak. I mean, this is as bad as it gets. You're going into the thick of things. You're going into the shit. Just make a note, warriors typically operate out of the blue level 75% of the time. All right, let's get right into what I feel every warrior should have in their arsenal as far as gear goes and weapons. I'm gonna focus on the civilian side rather than the police and the military side. First of all, I wanna talk about guns right off the bat. I believe that every warrior should carry a handgun that's the bottom line. You should have a CCW permit and you should carry as many places as possible. Make it part of you. Make it part of who you are. Get comfortable with your gun. I'm not going to get deep into what guns are better than others and so on because everyone has their own preference. My goal here is for you to carry. So what that means is simple. 
It means you got to get something that's comfortable for you, that fits your hand properly, that's concealable. I mean, that is the bottom line here. You know, I want to tell you that typically I'm going to shy away from anything less than 380. 9 mil, 40, that's fine. There are many good smaller guns that are concealable that are still combat ready. You can purchase these for even less than $500. That small investment could be the difference between you living or dying. Simple as that. All right, so I would highly recommend that you go out there, you fire a few rounds from different pistols, and you kind of get a feeling for how it feels in your hand, how the trigger is, how it feels when it's concealed to your body. Everyone is different, and that's why I'm not a big proponent of, hey, this firearm is better than the other one. It doesn't make a difference. Just like in combat, in self-defense, in martial arts, there is no such thing as a better martial art than another absolutely not it's the fighter it's the warrior it's the mindset that it's going that's what makes the difference so let me go back here when you go shooting and you start trying out different firearms make sure by all means that you can get a good grip on your handgun also raise it up to your eyes make sure that the front side and the rear side are balanced to your eyes believe it or not different types of sights feel better for one person than they do for another it's it's that's the way it goes that's the name of the game so make sure that you get comfortable with your firearm i love man i tell you right off the bat i love when i get a new gun i love to use it to a point where i am absolutely totally comfortable i know how to break it down quickly i can raise it right up to my eyes boom front sight focus and i have that front sight crystal clear i must practice i don't even know five thousand times before i make it my daily carry weapon and i run somewhere in the neighborhood of between a thousand and twelve hundred rounds to call it my uh, daily carry all right let's focus on our holster all right for me Personally, I like Kydex, um, and there are a million different types of holsters. There's leather, plastic, hybrids, all that good stuff. That's going to be solely up to you. The most important aspect here is how fast can you get to your gun, and if that holster, okay, is very wobbly, or if that holster doesn't let you access the firearm with a good solid grip, you're going to have a problem. So make sure that the holster that you are purchasing, um, it's a good quality holster. Put your money where your mouth is. Don't go out there and buy a $1,000 gun and then all of a sudden you're buying a $10 holster with a $10 belt. Negativo, we're not gonna do that. As warriors, our gear, our weapons should be state of the art. They should be the best that we can afford. We should not only uh, buy good quality gear, but we should also keep it clean, keep it accessible, keep it functional. That's going to be on you, gentlemen. It's called discipline. My holster is somewhere in the neighborhood of about $150. My belt is another $100. I mean, I went out there and I spent it for good quality gear because I know it's going to last me forever. But more importantly, is that I know that it's gonna function and operate when the shit hits the fan, when my life and my loved one's lives are being threatened by some fuck up that wants to go in there and shoot people up. I know that I could access my firearm and get it out there fast. So let's talk about placement. Where do we place our firearm around our body? 
First and foremost, you have to be comfortable, but even a priority over that, you need to be fast. You know, a lot of guys, a lot of instructors out there, they talk about accuracy, which I think is absolutely necessary. But if you don't get the gun out fast enough, you don't have a shot in hell. So your holster has to be solid, has to be fast, and can't have a whole bunch of different locks on it. Your gun has to sit secure in that holster, but you want to be able to get it out very, very fast. Now, obviously, that comes through training. It comes through honing your skills. It comes through a lot of dry fire practice because most holsters out there are pretty damn good at getting that gun out relatively quick. What they're not too good at is uh, securing that gun in place. That's what I've seen very often, that sometimes you're sacrificing security for speed. You got to get top-of-the-line, good, solid, well-made holsters that have a perfect balance between that security of the, of the firearm and that release, that draw. Now, where do we carry the firearm? Well, I tend to carry appendix, which is right about the one o'clock, right near the groin area, inside the waistband. Uh, you can carry there, you can carry at three o'clock, you can carry at two o'clock, you can carry at four, at five o'clock. I'm not a big fan of carrying at six o'clock. Um, you have to see what's comfortable for you. Uh, what I notice is a lot of individuals specifically men have a problem carrying the firearm inside the waistband because they're not comfortable with it. I hate to break this to you, but comfort is not always the priority. You have to get used to it. I mean, think about it. You're sticking something in between your pants and your skin or your shirt. Um, it's not that comfortable, but I highly recommend that you use an inside the waistband holsters. Uh, holster is more secure um, certainly it is more concealable and that's where I would go uh, to buy a holster on I IWB. So now let's talk about where we can place our firearm if we cannot place it in the waste area. Well, I'll tell you right off the bat, if you can't place it in the waste area uh, in any of the areas that we just talked about, then you're going to have to put it either in a everyday carry bag, um, an EDC carry bag, or uh, you're going to have to um, put it in an ankle put it in an ankle holster. Please do not do not use a shoulder holster. Shoulder rigs are not good. They're not safe, and they're slow. All right, so. When we talk about an ankle holster, I do wear an ankle holster from time to time, uh, specifically when I go out with my wife or with my kids and we're dressed up and I got to tuck my shirt in, um, you know, and inside the waistband holster, even though they have those clips where you can kind of tuck the uh, shirt over, eh, not comfortable with that for me. I rather carry it in an ankle holster, but keep in mind, I do practice drawing my firearm from the ankle holster. I put quite a bit of effort into practicing that because I never want to get caught going down to my knee and all of a sudden not feel comfortable drawing my firearm or getting stuck. Don't want to have ever have that happen. So if you do wear an ankle holster and you decide on an ankle holster, it is not by any stretch of the imagination a preferred method of carry, but it is a selective method of carry where if you have no alternative, I rather have a gun on me than not.
but practice from it. Now let's talk about the gun in an EDC bag. All right, now when we talk about an EDC bag, an everyday carry bag, there are many different bags out there. Um, I like to have a specific holster. What I did realistically is that I got a leather holster and the outside was Kydex, it was a hybrid. And I actually put a Velcro on one side, glued it, so I actually had a half shell uh, inside my bag and the gun just fit beautifully in there. Uh, it's riveted down with some good solid industrial Velcro and I can whip that gun out very quickly from my EDC bag. Um, there are many uh, holsters that go in EDC bags, Velcro holsters, and uh, you could find them pretty much anywhere. I would highly recommend that you keep uh, a uh, holster in your EDC bag, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, but you certainly don't want to be in a position where the gun's just kind of drifting inside a bag. Uh, no good. So don't do that. So in the hand of the right person, a gun can be a absolute lifesaver. It can make the difference between life and death. A quick break in the action. If you've not done so already, run over to forgingawarrior.com forward slash manual and grab your free ebook titled Eight Strategies to Strengthen Your Warrior Spirit. Also, check out why hundreds of warrior-minded men are signing up to the Online Warrior Development Academy. Right now, get in for free. You're going to get two full weeks with full access across the board. Forgingawarrior.com. Now back to the show. In the hands of a warrior, 100%. Now, you must get training. You must hone your skills. You must be dedicated and disciplined in using your handgun. You have to make it part of you. You have to understand the safety. You have to learn how to store the firearm properly. I mean, all that. And you could find great instructors out there that will really lead you the right way. But you gotta get your training in. All right, let's go now to the edge weapon, right? The knife. I am a big believer in the knife. And at times, I will even go out, go as far as saying, I'd rather face a good gunfighter than a good knife fighter. Why? Because the heart, the aggressive nature, the mindset of a good knife fighter is just mind-boggling. We're talking about close-quarter combat. We're talking about chopping someone up head-on, close-up blood splatter the intent is different man it it is just bad shit okay across the board so listen gentlemen this is a deal a good knife fighter okay is trouble no matter how you look at it however a edge weapon a knife in the hands of a warrior it could be the difference between life and death now typically an edge weapon is a secondary reactionary weapon. Typically, we're going to use our firearm first. Then if that depletes and we still need to continue forward in our attack, then we're going to whip out our blade, our edge weapon, and continue attacking the target. So as far as edge weapons go, as far as knives, I'm a big believer in a fixed blade. I do carry both. Uh, fixed blade uh, for me is optimal because the chances of that sucker ever breaking down or collapsing down on me are slim to none. 
However, there are very, very good companies out there, and I'm going to talk about uh, some companies for both all the gear that I have in just a little bit, but there is absolutely 100% different qualities of blades, different quality of steel, of manufacturers. So what I urge you to do is research the knife. If you're buying a knife for 25 bucks and it's a new knife, I'm telling you what you're getting is crap, okay? So make sure that you, again, if you're going to buy something, invest the funds, invest the, monies, the money in good quality uh, gear, good quality weapons. My uh, edge weapons, I have many knives, but the typically the ones that I carry are a 3.75 uh, tactical folder. And I also carry a uh, fixed blade, which about with about a 2.75 inch blade on it, uh, cutting zone. So for the most part, all right, I like my knives to be under uh, three and a half to four inches as far as the uh, cutting area. But that's up to you. Some individuals have smaller hands or bigger hands. Um, most states do not let you go over four inches, um, but... I don't really think you need a knife or a cutting area over four inches for a concealed carry, uh, for a daily carry. So um, I would highly recommend that you do your study on that, okay, that you really go in and research these knives. Uh, make sure that you're buying a good quality edge weapon that you can carry on you and also in your EDC bag. So what I'm carrying nowadays as far as my EDC bag is a 511 Banger bag. Um, I also use a, a Maxpedition Locksphere. I've been using that probably for the last month or so. I've been testing it out, and it has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, it's much bigger than the banger, um, and I noticed that my daily carry, my carry load has been uh, a little bit greater and more expansive. I try always to stay discreet with my bags. That's the most important part. I don't want attention. Typically, the colors that I would recommend is black and gray, no camo or uh, crazy colors out there. All right, inside this bag, I carry a few things that I feel are pertinent to defending my life in case of a major attack. First off, my Shield MP40 with two extra mags. I also carry a Surefire backup light, a small one. I think it's about maybe three and a half, four inches, but it's very, very strong in lumens. I think it has 80 lumens. Uh, a pair of handcuffs, glow sticks, firecrackers, a tourniquet, a screwdriver tool, small duct tape, a small mirror, a uh, police Velcro badge, a uh, laser pointer, a quick clot, uh, throw down cheap cell phone. A lot of people say, why, why are you, you know, well, what about if they steal your cell phone? I mean, I have one from Metro. It cost me whatever, $15. I can operate that, uh, turn it on one time, and I could I have about 50 or 60 minutes on it to talk. So I uh, highly would recommend that. It cost me $28. Uh, shears, uh, I have a window puncher. And I also have pen and a small pad. So this is what I've been carrying most of 2017 in my EDC bag. Um, and I'm starting to tinker around with some of the things right now and adding some new stuff. But I'll keep you updated uh, on what's inside my bag, especially maybe at the beginning of the year or so. Now, as far as my holster goes for my gun, I typically wear a thin Kydex holster. It's made by a company called Fist. Um, I also wear another one that's not as thin Kydex. It's uh, by Dara Holsters. I also carry my gun, as I alluded to earlier, on the appendix area, which is directly next to the groin, uh, like a one o'clock carry. 
Uh, I like the fist holster because it's really, it was custom made. It's very, very thin and the buckle on it, that clip is so solid, man. It's probably the most solid clip I've ever seen. It's uh, kind of sewn into the, uh, the Kydex, awesome. Um, but what I really like about this holster is the angle of the firearm and how clean and crisp I can grab my firearm quickly when I need to uh, draw it in motion. As far as my edge weapon goes, I carry a uh, Kershaw ZT Tolerance, uh, the 302 model. Uh, there's a 3.75 blade. That knife is a workhorse. I've had it for years. It is solid as a rock. Um, I absolutely love it. Uh, that's my tactical folder. For a lot of people, it's a little bit big. For me, it's perfect. And uh, I would not trade that sucker for anything. Uh, as far as a fixed blade, uh, I've been carrying around a uh, fixed blade uh, by a gentleman called Charlie Rupp. He's a custom uh, knife manufacturer. And this fixed blade just feels comfortable in my hand and I could carry it with me pretty much wherever I go. So I've had a bunch of questions regarding neck knives. Um, I'm a big believer in neck knives. I don't wear them daily, but I do wear them to travel. And I promise you guys that we're going to have a travel show, a uh, gear travel show and some tactics uh, coming up in the next uh, month or so. All right, so let's get into the tactics. All right, so having a keen eye is primary no matter where you go. We always as warriors need to keep an eye out for individuals that number one, look shady, number two, are acting funny. Typically, you're going to spot these individuals because they're moving around, they're fidgeting around, they might be looking around awkwardly. And also, you want to look for their demeanor. All right, they can be aggressive in demeanor, or even at times they can be very passive in their demeanor. It all depends on what type of individual uh, this is. A lot of times we want to acknowledge this because we're kind of living in our own little bubble. With, with We're out with our family. We might be doing other things. But I urge you just to keep your head in a swivel and to start understanding that your intuition or your feel or what we call our secondary awareness can be correct at times. So stay vigilant. You know the old saying, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck. All right. Also, keep an eye out for people that are wearing things like heavy jackets during the summer or more importantly, and I've seen this, okay, people that are just carrying around excessive baggage and it doesn't make sense where they're at. In relationship to that environment, there is something off. I've seen this many a times and it's definitely caught my eye. Remember, we're not just looking for professional attackers or terrorists. There could be people with some severe mental disabilities that live in another world and they want to do bad things to people or they don't know how to express themselves and they want to go out there and chop people up. Look at China. I mean, this guy walked in and chopped people up, stabbed I don't know how many people. So keep that 360 degree awareness. The more you do it, the better you're going to become at it and the more instinctual is going to become. It's going to be part of who you are, and it's going to be a habit. That's what you ultimately want. You want it to flow in an occasion. You want it to flow throughout your day without having to think twice about it, just like you're breathing. So let's talk a little bit about logistical assessment. All this means is simple, okay? Very fancy word for a very simple process here. 
Know where you're at. Know where your exits are. Look around. If you're in a lockdown building, where are the windows? If you're not too far away, step over to a window and say, even if, even if you're in the second or third floor, that window could easily open up into a bridge, in other words, into a level where it's only five or 10 feet down where, you know, God forbid that you needed to jump out of a window, you can, and you have a platform to land on, all right? Keep an eye open for your exit signs. Know, okay, listen, if I'm sitting in an area or if I'm walking in an area, where can I haul ass to the quickest? What point am I closer to the exit to my right? Am I closer to the exit to my left? I mean, be cognizant, be aware of your surroundings. Now, gentlemen, this doesn't mean that you walk into a place like the Secret Service doing an advance and a high priority detail. All right. D don't get that into your head like that. You don't need to be so obsessive. Uh, we don't want that to impede our quality of life. What we want to do is just do the best we can and stay aware of our surroundings. And if you can step away and take a look around, do it. That's the smartest thing to do. I tell all my students, you got to find a rhythm and a rhyme in life. Let it flow. Let it be part of who you are. Just like when we diet, diet suck. It's you got to transform the way you're eating, right? That's the same exact methodology that we use when we're developing warriors. It has to become part of your daily routine, your daily habits of who you are. All right, so when you're in a restaurant, do not sit in the first few tables if you can avoid it. All right, try to get the table farthest away from the main entrance point. All right, typically you want to back up against the wall if you can. If you can find a seat that way, great. If not, try to be smart about where you're sitting. You want to be able to have an overview of the restaurant. You want to be able to sit in a position where you're looking down from above. You want to be in a position where if you need to get up and you need to take cover, you can move strategically and tactically to areas that are going to be able to protect you. And we're going to talk a little bit about concealment and cover in just a little bit. But um, I always urge all my students and everyone that I teach to find a tactical position where you're going to sit. This goes for movie theaters. This goes for concerts, whatever it might be. And I'll tell you, in movie theaters, I don't like to sit in the middle. A lot of people get the tickets in advance and they want to sit in the middle of the aisle. Absolutely not. My wife, my family knows that I'm going to always sit on the edge. That's just the way it's going to roll. I don't like to sit in between individuals. Have I in the past? Yes, I have. In concerts and things like that where you're not going to be lucky enough to get the edge. But um, if you can muster it up and if you can do it, try to sit in an edge. You might miss a little bit of the show. The angle might not be the greatest. But man, I'm telling you, it's the easiest point where when the shit hits the fan, you're going to be able to activate. You're going to be able to move. You're going to be able to deploy your weapon. You're going to be able to do things that and without having to bump up against other individuals. There is nothing more than I can't stand is when somebody compromises and invades your personal space. I am totally against that. And you need to keep your eyes open and your feelers out. If somebody's compromising that space and kind of moving in and invading that space, because when the shit hits a fan, gentlemen, what's going to happen is this. People are going to jump up out of their seats. They're going to run. They're going to push. They don't give a shit about you. 
So you need to be in a position of tactical advantage from the get-go. So this is a warrior's worst nightmare. So you're sitting in a restaurant with your wife and two kids. All of a sudden, a man with a rifle comes in and starts shooting up the restaurant, killing people in front of you. You might have practiced this a thousand times, but when it's real and raw in front of you and when the shit is hitting the fan, baby, it's a whole new ball game. This is what's going to separate the warriors from the baby boys. So the first thing that you're going to do is always acknowledge priority of life. Protect your family first. If you're out with your family, try to get them to an exit. Push them Whatever he might be, push him towards that exit. Have them crawl, stay low to the ground. If this man is opening fire, you got to get them out. Now, the next step is flip that table. Use it as a barrier between you and the gunman. Yes, I'm aware that that's not going to stop bullets. It's not going to stop rounds, okay, especially coming out of an AK-47 or a high-caliber uh, weapon. But the bottom line is this. You rather have something than nothing. I'm not saying you're going to seek cover and bunker down behind that uh, table, but let me tell you something. If he's shooting out a gun with nine millimeter rounds, there's a good chance that a good thick wood table will stop that, especially at 25 or 30 yards out. So keep in mind, you're just flipping that to give you a little bit of concealment and you're using that to maybe stride your family through, pushing them out through the exit sign, into the bathroom if there's a window that they can get out of. Whatever you need to do, you need to figure that shit out. Now, if the hats are turned and you can't go anywhere and you got to hunker down and buckle down, make sure that you are hiding behind, that you are positioned behind cover, that you are behind a wall, that you are behind an area that at the very least could stop or slow down some of the rounds. Now, this is where you warriors, this is where we warriors need to step up. We need to move to the sound of gunfire, which means that you must attack. You must have that domination mindset. And we'll talk about that in a second here. You need to drive forward and push forward, cutting your angles, moving at 45 degrees, making sure that you're not going into the line of fire and keeping it a straight angle. You must have an off angle. You got to be coming at the attacker 45 degrees. If you can flank them, great. If you have a second floor and you can get upstairs and dominate it from a higher level, do it. Listen, gentlemen, this is about saving lives. It's about saving not only your own ass, but your family's life. And on top of that, other individuals that are there. So the quicker, obviously, the quicker you can take that threat out, the more lives you're going to save. That's the bottom line. So you need to be a lion. You need to convert yourself and turn into a monster fucking lion that's going to go out there and start ripping heads. You're literally going to have this domination mindset, which is flipping from going defensive into a full offensive nature. It's a ballistic way of looking at things. It's fast. It's brutal. It's beast mode. I guess that's what you want to call it. Beast mode. All right. We got to get there. So when you're doing this, remember, you got to have your fundamentals in place because it's not going to be worse shit if you have your gun out and you're missing every shot. The idea is you want to aim center mass. You want to be able to have a larger target zone. 
So as you push forward and you go from tactical position, tactical cover, you advance in angles. Listen, retreating is not an option here. The farther you go away from the threat, the more difficult your shot is going to be. And I'll tell you right now, the more strength you're going to give that threat. So you need to bump up. Now, obviously, you want to move tactically. If you can jump from cover to cover as you approach and take shots behind cover, freaking awesome. Stay low to the ground, very low to the ground. If you need to pop up here and there, great. Another strategy that I recommend, if you have access to knocking the power out, making it darker, in a room and you have your flashlight with you flashlights can blind flashlights can disorient that uh, the bad guy use it against the bad guy anything that you can do that's going to leverage you okay make sure that you turn that light switch on and you use it so now let's take it even a step further here you are you got maybe 20 rounds you shot the 20 rounds you might have hit him three four times this guy for whatever reason is still alive still trying to take uh, people's lives what do you do i'll tell you what you do you use your secondary weapon your knife you're going to approach him in angles and you're going to do everything you can to neutralize the threat and terminate it immediately all right remember from a knife perspective, you got to be ready to get blood on you. You have to be ready for that knife to slip in your hand and cut your own self. That's just part of the battle. That's just part of what it is, man. So if you're not ready for that, then I'm sorry. You need to get some training because the bottom line is that that aggressive mentality, that domination mindset comes through training whip that knife out start cutting the tendons you want to start cutting the tendons specifically in the area where he's holding that firearm if you can get a couple good slashes on the wrist that's going to really hurt his tendons it's going to rip him apart and he's not going to be able to hold that firearm if you can attack his base the ligaments behind the knee take him out take take him out try to avoid going for the neck something where he's bleeding out try to avoid going for kidney shots that's not what we need to do here we need to stop the threat as soon as possible and we need to take ligaments and tendons that are holding that weapon and holding his base up we need to take them out sure you can stab and you can cut in the neck region you can go in the kidney area but those are follow-up cuts All right now i tell you this when there is no other option but to take the shooter out with a knife. Our preference is absolutely 100% the firearm initially. Um, if we run out or something happens to our firearm, whatever it may be, then we have our backup weapon. So what about if our knife goes down? Guess what, gentlemen? You have hands and you have feet. But more importantly, you have the warrior spirit. You need to do what you know. You need to attack. You need to go for control of that firearm. You need to seize that firearm. It's not about punching and kicking here. You need to realistically go towards that, uh, that firearm and grab it, control it, redirect it, and have full control of that firearm. No matter what happens, do not let go. Can you shoot him with his own firearm? Sure, if you're well-versed in it and if you know for sure there are rounds 
uh, left in there. Don't position yourself and be uh, comfortable trying to shoot him because he might be completely out of rounds. Use the uh, rifle or the handgun to hit him in the head, to hit him in areas that are going to be painful. Knock him out. Kick, punch, bite, pull hairs, go for the eyeballs. Anything that works is valid. This is not time to be shy. This is not time to be politically correct. This is a time to save your life, your family's life, and other innocent victims. Let's talk a little bit about carjackings. Typically, these carjackings happen in parking lots where you have the predator uh, kind of pounces on you from nowhere as you enter your car, either chokes you out, grabs you, puts a gun to your head, throws you to the ground, hops in your car and goes. Let me tell you something about that. All right. If your car is insured and it happens. All right. Well, took your car. Not a big deal where I have a problem. Huge problem here is obviously if there's a baby in the car, if there's a child in the car. Um, and of course, if he has a gun to your head, we never want to be in a position where we're thinking, well, if we give him this. All right, he's not going to shoot us. Bad, bad way of thinking. If there is a gun to your head, you should have your fighting reflexes ready to go. That's the bottom line. If there's a gun to your head, you need to understand that just because you give this individual something does not mean you are out of the woodworks. Now, a lot of people say, hey, hand your wallet over. That's a little different. That's more of a mugging type of attack or in a, a robbery on the street, a strong arm robbery. I'm talking about a carjacking here where they approach you from an area or a blind spot that completely caught you off guard. Now, listen, when people are stealing cars, they're not just stealing them to take a ride and have fun, especially when they're carjacking you. All right. Typically, it's a robbery. It's a drive by shooting. So 99% of the time they are going to have a handgun or a rifle on them. So just understand that in these type of close quarter situations, if you have a handgun on you, it is time to use it. If somebody puts a gun to you and you have a handgun on you, you should be able to turn your body into them and shoot them, protecting yourself. Now, listen, this takes practice. It takes training. Uh, this is not something that you're just going to make up and go to YouTube and learn. You got to go out there with a good instructor and learn. A lot of my firearms tactics uh, uh, courses are based on close quarter environments. I'm all about close quarter environments. So just get a good instructor out there that can teach you the element of close quarter combatives with a firearm. A couple of tips to prevent carjackings. All right. So before you approach your vehicle, look around in bushes, look around in other vehicles that are maybe next to your vehicle or a couple of vehicles down. I typically like to kind of swerve in between vehicles before I approach. I don't like people to know exactly where my destination of my vehicle is. Um, I kind of swerve a little bit, maybe walk around the front, the back. It's kind of good, and I recommend this, to walk around your vehicle and get an eye view, okay, from angles on your vehicle because someone could easily be hiding in the front bumper area, and the next thing you know, you have a gun pointed at your head. We don't want that. We want to be able to see the threat. 
We want to be able to feel the threat. We want to be able to stop the threat before it even gets going. At the In the worst case scenario, we want to become that hard target or someone is not going to be completely confident in attacking us because the way we stand, the way we carry ourselves, the way we approach the vehicle, right? You know, talking about the way we carry ourselves and talk about the way that our demeanor is. Gentlemen, you got to walk with a stride. You got to have your chest out. You got to walk upright. You got to look around, make eye contact. Don't worry about what people think, man. Make eye contact. Bottom line is that confidence needs to come through and the bad guy needs to feel it. It's going to be incumbent upon yourself to be able to carry that essence, to carry that aura everywhere you go. You know why? Because you are a warrior, because you walk the walk and because you're going to be protecting your family every step of the way and no one is going to attack you and live to tell the story. All right, warriors, remember, it's about honing your body, honing your skills, honing your spirit. We can sit here and talk about this all day long, and I say this over and over again, but it's action in your part that's going to make a difference. And this is not for just soldiers or policemen or some special secret top operator group, none of that crap. All right, this is about you. No matter what walk of life you came from, no matter who you are, what you do, it's about you providing and protecting for your family. It's about you embodying the warrior spirit in all aspects of your life. Well, gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed this uh, episode. I loved it. I had a lot of fun. I felt that so much information was transmitted through here, and I really hope that you can take some of these tools and implement them into your life right away. Remember, priority of life is crucial. Protect your family. That's what's in our blood. That's why we are warriors. We protect our families. We protect the innocent. We give of ourselves no matter what, and we are there come hell or high water. Stay safe, gentlemen. Before you go, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Man of War Podcast. And don't forget to get your free manual at forgingawarrior.com forward slash manual. Until next time, remember, your life may be challenging and full of dangers, but never retreat. Your last battle may be your greatest victory. 